Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, the podcast that explores the great big wild world of tabletop gaming that exists today. It's been said once or twice, mainly on this podcast, that we are in the middle of a gaming renaissance. There are just too many good games that we can spend our hobby time and our hobby dollars on, and it can lead to a serious case of not knowing what to play next. And I guess that's the purpose of this podcast. It's to talk to my guests about the games we enjoy playing, to talk about big industry events, and to talk to the people who create these games. Now, I have had a lot of requests recently to, to go back to Bolt Action, sort of the bread and butter of this show. And, of course, we have done quite a few episodes recently uh, through Warlord because I do their podcast. And, we, of course, we talked about Operation Bear on the last episode, Melbourne's next big event. But I wanted to talk to someone who wasn't necessarily creating a game today, but the miniatures that we use to play the game. And the game, of course, is Bolt Action. Now, if you've listened to this show or any of the other shows that we've done over the years, you would know that I am incredibly passionate about playing armies that are a little left of center, so to speak. Armies that are not the same old major power veteran medalist. I like the weird stuff. I like the, the minor powers. I like lists that go down historical... I, little back alleys, so to speak, and take us out into different parts of the war. So we're not just facing another veteran German army with a Panzer IV or, you know, the universal carrier spam Soviets. I want to talk about something a little different. And today we are talking different because on a lot of podcasts and when I talk to a lot of people who play bolt action or want to play bolt action. They always assume that you have to go to the same two or three manufacturers to buy models. And they they lament that, oh, why don't we have this nation or that nation? These army lists exist, but miniatures don't exist. And there are companies out there that make phenomenal models that you just may not be aware exists. There's a lot of great 28 millimeter World War II out there. And that range has just expanded again because as of right now, there's a Kickstarter running. It's got about two weeks left, and we'll talk about that more in a second, to talk about Dutch forces, Netherlands in Pacific. Now, that is not a sentence typically said over many bolt-action tabletops. But ladies and gentlemen, now the miniatures exist. So now it could be and should be. Joining me is the man behind this Kickstarter and May 40 miniatures. Sander, welcome to Cast Dice. How you doing? Hi, thank you. Very, very well, thank you. You? I'm good, man. It is a pleasure to have you on. I have seen your models for years. Friends of the cast have had your Falschmjager models, which was the last Kickstarter you ran a couple of years ago. May 40 Miniatures has been around for a hot minute. You guys have been around since 2016. Can you talk to us a little bit about how did May 40 start and what's the journey? How did, how did you get to where we are with the Kickstarter today? The beginning, I started gaming like probably almost everyone uh, with Warhammer. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing that for years. Mm-hmm. Then because of getting a family and a house and stuff, that all <laughs> went on hold. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when there was an opportunity to get back into the hobby, I wanted something different, like historical. So I started with bolt action, Germans, and okay, the usual. But I wanted something different uh, because there was a, a Dutch army list in the, in the French and Allies book, mm-hmm. but no minis. So yeah, looking around, searching for, for stuff to convert, that seemed a lot of work. So I, <laughs> I looked around to find out how I could do them myself. And by chance, I found Michael, a sculptor in uh, the UK, who had already sculpted Dutch for uh, 20 mil, I think, from SHQ. Uh, So he had knowledge of the the subject, and he was very interested in doing stuff in 28. We took it from there. So in 2016, uh, the Dutch came out in rather large numbers. I think there were 100 plus many minis. Mm-hmm. Uh, no Kickstarter or something. Just like that. Financed them myself. And put them out there. Then, well, Michael is like, uh, you sure you want to do those? Because they won't make any money. Uh, no, but that's not the first intent. I wanted mm-hmm. them. So, But you really have to do the Germans, he said. And in particular, the the the, the paratroopers because your Dutch need an enemy. So we started looking into those. Uh, he made miniatures and there were a lot, again, 100 plus. And well, I put it on Kickstarter because financing another range by myself was, well, <laughs> not doable. So yeah, they went on Kickstarter. They did very well, I think. For yeah. Well, it's not a minor nation, but we were not known at all. This has been running for like, well, yeah, up until now. Um, there was talk about KNIL, why there were no miniatures, or there are, but more, and different poses and stuff. Well, yeah, so um, the intent of May 40 is doing everything Dutch, uh, early war, World War Two, so they fit in. And they are a small step from the Dutch because uniforms are... Similar, but not the same. There are yep. detailed differences. Uh, weapons are the same, mostly. Tanks and armored cars are not. We took the leap because there was a demand for them, it seemed. There's also a link. Uh, there's a link to the Dutch 940 army and the Knil in my family. So, yeah, that's another thing. In, in May 40, on the 11th, a great uncle uh, was killed in action. To explain where exactly is, well, yeah, a bit hard in English. And my grandmother and her father lived in Indonesia for several years. So, yeah, there's there's a link as well. Folks may not be familiar with the KNIL, which is, when translated, the Royal Netherlands East Indies Army. And it was a colonial Dutch army that existed from 1814 to about 1950. And it was an army that consisted of professional soldiers and was directed by the Ministry of the Colonies. This army eventually became known as uh, the KNIL. 
How much action did these guys see in World War II? Because they did face off against the Japanese. Am I getting my history right? Uh, they did. If you look at the map of Indonesia, you see how big it is. Um, there were just not enough men to defend the whole region. They fought very well, I think, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. They were like the ruin in, <laughs> in bold action. They were really tough fighters. But yeah, they, they couldn't last any longer due to training, due to equipment, due to stuff. There was no chance, really. But they saw a lot of fighting. There's a, a particular battle with uh, Japanese paratroopers, mm -hmm. which they are, the minis are very useful for. Mm -hmm. And there's a range of Japanese paratroopers out there as well, so they could match up. I was going to say, I own that range from Company oh, B. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's, that... uh, I've been in contact with, with Company B for uh, a while now. Mm -hmm. Just talk about, because the guy I'm in contact with has my Dutch. And I think he has some paratroopers as well. And, well, yeah, we kept in contact talking about this, about the canal. That's especially interesting as the Japanese player, from my perspective, because Japanese paratroopers, though the Japanese are a major nation, they very rarely actually dropped. Um, they had a few very unsuccessful, well, successful, some of them were successful, but they took horrific uh, casualties and then they didn't have the planes anymore. So... Well, there aren't a lot of examples of Japanese paratroopers actually dropping like they did when they were fighting against the KNIL. So um, if you are a uh, Japanese paratroop player like myself, um, this sounds like the perfect opponent or a perfect opposing army. Yeah. Well, there's, um, there's also an Osprey book. Uh, don't ask, I will mention it, but it's, it's the Netherlands East Indies campaign 1941 42. Mm -hmm. Um, Japan's quest for oil, and they're in there. The, the scenario, um, the battle is described. Lots of information about that, that particular battle. Now, there isn't a lot of army list in the bolt action universe for. The Dutch. Obviously, you mentioned the armies of France and the minor powers. There is a list in there, but that list doesn't necessarily reflect necessarily the models that you'll be doing for this. Now, there was another list in the New Guinea book for the KNIL guerrillas that also exists. So there are multiple ways to play Dutch forces in bolt action. Um, for those who are looking, those do exist and they are around. Um, however, they are fairly basic lists, um, but that doesn't necessarily make them a bad thing because a rifleman is a rifleman is a rifleman in bolt action, as we often say on this show. And if you happen to be passionate about it, I know our good friend Akhtar, uh, our buddy down in Tasmania, the little green giraffe, one of the armies he loves to play with is Norway. You know, people say that list can't win games. And I assure you, they can. I've played against that army several times and he does very well with it. And uh, the Dutch are literally the same thing. If you build an army with it, it is a very reasonable army list. There are some good options in there that you can take. I mean, you may not get all the bells and whistles, 
but you will have a force that looks totally different on the tabletop. And you might have a chance to learn something uh, slash teach someone else about history as you're playing it, right? Sander, let's talk a little bit about some of the models that you'll be putting out as part of this Kickstarter, because I'd like to point out, first of all, this Kickstarter is already funded. It, it's happening. And I know that's one of the things that a lot of people say when they're signing up for Kickstarters. They're like, yeah, but are they going to get enough support? You have. You are already well above your minimum that you needed to get going on this. And the other thing that I always hear for people talking about Kickstarters, yeah, but have they done a Kickstarter before? And as we said before, you had the very successful Falschmjäger uh, Kickstarter a couple of years ago that you delivered. And I know literally several people that have your models and love them and got them from that Kickstarter. So what are we doing with this Kickstarter that people can look into to build Dutch forces? What what are the options? Um, there are several um, possibilities to for a reward, like they call it. Um, <clears throat> there's a basic platoon. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a half company, which gets you a, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, we've added a, a specific bolt action chain of command pledge because people were asking for stuff that wasn't in the other pledges mm -hmm. and yeah so we added uh, a reward that reflected uh, a starter army for bolt action not with all the big guns but with an arm uh, anti-tank gun and well all the stuff to get started and there's a really big one uh, it's a 400 euro pledge that gets you a, a motorized half company with six armored six armored cars Two trucks to transport your sport weapons and a lot of infantry. That's awesome. And it's called uh, the, the Gabor Pledge because there's someone in the, the community. He's really, really active, nagging me about it for like two years. Mm -hmm. And we joked about it. Well, like, if you do a, a, a thousand euro pledge, I'll buy it. If you name it after me. So I, I named that one after him. It's not a thousand because yeah, who can spend a thousand on minis in, in one go, but yeah, 400 exactly. is, yeah. I love it. So yeah, he's, it. he's been immortalized, I think, in the, in the May 40 community. <laughs> I love it. I love the enthusiasm and the love. Miniature-wise, we've talked about the different pledges, but within those, we are talking about a new KNIL headquarters section. There are command models outside of that. We have different infantry squads with some have a prone Madsen. There's a Lewis, there's uh, Vickers machine guns. Um, we have the, and I'm going to butcher the name of this, the Brat Ovalvagen and the Chevy civilian truck. Please explain what some of these are because I'm chewing on my tongue. <laughs> Well, to start with the 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 Overfallwagen, that's a it's a it's a locally produced armored car on a on a Chevy chassis. Now it's it's an open armored car, so you could uh, put in in several men. Uh, but there was also a marine variant with uh, a very old naval gun. I think it was a thirty-seven millimeter, mm -hmm. and there was a version with lots and lots of machine guns. 
uh, a water-cooled 50 cal and all around uh, browning uh, 30 cals, I think. But you can you can throw a lot of dice with it if you get my meaning. Oh yeah. Um, the civilian truck uh, we did because of transport issues with lots and lots of armies. There's a lot of tanks and armored vehicles out there, but real transport for stuff. That's like, well, if there is something, you're lucky. I know there's, uh, for the Germans, there's the Opel Blitz, which you can use for almost anything, but, and there's tracked, uh, transports, but for all the other armies, well, maybe one or two trucks, but I wanted them from the start. The, yeah. that truck will also have a, a stretch goal on it. If we reach the stretch goal, which will get you, uh, the weapons for it. Because there was also a version for uh, anti-air with a, a water-cooled 50 cal on top. Mm. Yeah, well, the infantry, there were, I have right beside me nine different LMGs. There's only two or three now available in the Kickstarter, but the rest is a stretch goal. So mm. there's like five or six poses for the mats and machine gun, the light machine gun. No, there's more, actually. There's four different types of Lewis gun poses, mm. and there's four different poses for the Breda light machine gun, which we bought, I think from the Brits or the Australians after they captured those on the Italians. Oh, cool. The machine gun historically was a, <laughs> a piece of junk. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, we, we bought stuff from everywhere just to get stuff. And there's a Vickers, well, it's not a heavy, but I don't know how they work in the rules, but medium machine gun or heavy, depending mm-hmm. on how you use it, I think. There's also, this one is a firing post. There's also a moving post planned. And we have an 81 millimeter mortar firing, which mm-hmm. is, has already been unlocked. And there's a, a, a moving one. I can't help but notice that the 75 millimeter howitzer is also unlocked, yep. as are some additional headquarter options. And the 40 millimeter, I, again, I'm going to say that wrong, the Bowler AT gun um, yeah. set to fire. So there are that gun was used in the in the Netherlands as well. So they, I think they bought it as a. Well, they knew it worked in the Netherlands. They, we had it already, and the Knell bought it too. It was a really, really modern gun for its age. Yeah, and it did. It wouldn't have suffered. Um, I know that in the in the European theater, as tanks got bigger and scarier, uh, forty-seven millimeter guns you know, started to maybe see uh, less use slash stop being as useful. But in the Pacific, 47 millimeter would have worked against the Japanese for the entire war. Yeah, if the war for the KNL, I mean, in that setting lasted any longer, they they would have been fine with it. But they, they did a good job over here too in the Netherlands because... Uh, the, the bowler could take out a, a Panzer III and even a Panzer IV if they hit it in the right spot. Oh, wow. It was a really good gun. And um, the Germans used all of them, the ones they could capture intact. And they were used all during the war, I think. Put on, on brand carriers and all kinds of weird configurations. These guys were fighting in Indonesia until 1942? Oh. Well, yeah, the, the, at, at a point they had to surrender and mm. a lot of guys were transported to Australia where they continued to fight. 
and there were a lot of guys left behind who became the which you mentioned the guerrilla armalist they they, <laughs> they kept on fighting so if you are playing bolt action you could possibly use the army list from the armies of france and the minor powers as your pre-surrender army and then you could use the guerrilla force for the after so there's two different ways to play this army it sounds like yeah and after the surrender day they received uh more equipment and different equipment so there's there will be more weapons available to them nice um, I'm not sure you you won't be able to use the list in in tournaments, but there's a guy in the UK who has done a a, a new list for the KNL the the 19 till 1942. It's it's in our um, uh, document thingy in the community group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew made the list and has added a lot of stuff to the the the, the warlord list change some things because well yeah the list was missing a lot of stuff so he, he made actually made a list for the dutch 1940 and knl which adds uh new weapon types new unit types uh which adds to clay one the, the, the iconic sword the knl uses so if you play casual games you might want to take a look Also, oftentimes with lists like that, if you speak to the tournament organizer or the event organizer, I mean, a lot of people are just really excited to see different forces. And I have approved many lists at my events that people have asked, hey, can I take this? Absolutely. Um, So it's worth asking. Always worth asking. Cool. Um, Now, those swords are (laughs) <laughs> really intimidating looking. I was just Google searching those. Um, what's the history behind those? Do you know? Um, they were derived from an Indonesian sword mm-hmm. uh, as they were uh, the, the troops in the jungle. Well, yeah, they needed something to get through. Mm. So the swords are actually useful for cutting bamboo and other vegetation, but they're also very intimidating and very useful for cutting other stuff, if you know what I mean. Mm, I have I one over here that's uh, it's, it's an original, but used in the Netherlands because the Dutch army also used them because they very, were very effective. Mm. That's uh, It's made by Hembrug over here. Um, but it's, it's sharp. Wow. It's sharp. Yeah. It, it, it looks very scary. Yeah. And it, it's a, it's a very heavy blade. So it's, it's really good at chopping stuff. And you do make miniatures for these that are part yeah. of the Kickstarter. Yeah. Super yeah. cool. Almost all the minis have one on their, on their belt and some have them drawn. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't think they are really in the, the official BA list mm-hmm. as an option. But I'm not, not sure. Yeah. Giant swords are not things you typically see in a lot of World War II lists. As someone who plays nationalist Chinese, I have the, as you know, 
aptly named the Big Sword Squad. I put them out on tables and opponents look at them saying, wait, what are they, why are they carrying big swords? And you go, because that's their name. And they, yeah, they are terrifying on the tabletop. It's great to see these models and the sculpting is outstanding. Are you still using the same sculptor? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's working with Michael is very cool because I explain or send photos of stuff. Well, looking at this, I would like that and that and that, and then I leave it at that. He does his thing. Oh yeah, and the end result is clear. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's also very cool that you are giving options to people for forces, so they could wear those very distinctive hats that are almost like the almost the pardon the comparison, the Australian slouch hat or the helmet, which again is very distinctive. So it's very cool that you get to either A, choose one or the other, or B, you can mix them up as soldiers probably did on the actual battlefield so that you get more variety in your force, which is very cool. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, not, well, I'm very particular in historical accuracy. Mm. So... Normally in battle, uh, <laughs> helmets, definitely helmets. Yeah. But there was no way around the hats. No way. Because if I, if we didn't do any hats, then, well, you know, <laughs> people would start. They would yeah. say, where's my hats? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want hats, hats, more hats. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's now up to the people buying what they want. But technically speaking, helmets, helmets. You wouldn't go into battle with hats. Yeah. Because they're they're bamboo hats, they won't stop anything. They're not like the Australian slouch hats. These are fairly rigid. They're not not slouchy. Oh, I didn't know that. They're made from bamboo, so well, Sander, this isn't the only Dutch project that you're going to be working on in the near future. I understand that you're going to be revisiting some of your original Dutch models. Uh, yeah, the, the whole Dutch range will be re-released as we are running out of the ori original ones. Mm -hmm. Well, that came about due to reasons uh, molds were damaged and not usable anymore. We do still have the master molds, so we could have just made new molds. But as we're now in 2023 with new options, new techniques, we chose to redo them completely uh, with 3D printed uh, parts like the weapons and helmets. Well, in my opinion, they're um, better than the first range due to those details. I mean, it's it's really exciting to hear particularly in smaller companies like yourself, embracing new techniques to improve the quality of uh, what you're doing. And especially since it's not a major company that you're, that you are taking the time to redo these things. And clearly that's out of love and uh, wanting the most historically accurate miniatures that you can put out. Yeah. Yeah. There's reasons for doing them. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a real pleasure to talk about the KNIL. Sorry, the KNIL. Um, I keep saying that wrong. It it 
is really exciting to see manufacturers putting out miniatures for those minor powers for the game that we on this show love to talk about. Um, and it just opens up yet another door of list options and army opportunities that we can use on the tabletop. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And thank you so much for doing this and giving us the opportunity to play Dutch on the tabletop. Well, thank you for inviting me. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. I highly recommend that you go to Kickstarter and I highly recommend you look up and the exact title is KNIL 1936 to 1942. Uh, and it is a Kickstarter by May 40 Miniatures. Look it up, check it out. And it is definitely worth the look. The video accompaniment and the miniature links are excellent. And you might just learn something about history while you're at it. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, as our buddy Casey always says, when you are playing the games that we know and love, I hope that your dice roll hot. I hope your beverages are cold. But more than that, we at Cast Dice hope that you are having fun. Stay safe out there, guys. Good night. Are gone and that track I hung